Welcome to the Positively Alive podcast. I am so glad you made it, and I can't wait to introduce you to our distinguished panel of speakers. This is a space where you will be able to learn more about HIV and AIDS, about the latest medical developments and the tremendous progress that has been made over the last couple of years. We will also elaborate on what it means to live with HIV today and how it is possible to live not only a healthy, but also a happy life. I have carefully selected our interviewees. Over the course of the next weeks and months, you will hear the voices, insights and opinions of policymakers, activists, influencers and some of the world's top medical professionals on the topic of HIV and stigma. There will also be the stories of HIV-positive people and their personal experiences on what living with HIV actually means to them. The main purpose of this podcast is to inform, educate and empower, to get the topic out of the taboo zone, to normalize HIV and to stimulate an open conversation. It is also intended to counter ignorance, prejudice, stigma and discrimination that is all too often affecting the most vulnerable people in our societies. This podcast is also a part of a wider online communication campaign about HIV and stigma. If you want to know more, please join our Facebook group at Positively Alive or visit our website at www.positivelyalive.org. Thank you so much for being here and for tuning in. I really hope you will find our content useful and purposeful. Looking forward to see you inside. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Positively Alive podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, we have the Belgian Minister of Social Affairs, Public Health and Asylum and Migration in our midst. She is also the Vice Chairperson of the Flemish Liberal Party, Open VLD. Minister de Bloc studied medicine at the Free University of Brussels. She graduated as a Doctor of Medicine, Surgery and Obstetrics and worked as a General Practitioner. She was the Secretary of State for Asylum, Immigration and Social Integration from 2011 till 2014. In 2014, she became the Belgian Minister of Social Affairs and Public Health. Following a reshuffle in December 2018 to prevent the government's collapse, she additionally resumed responsibility for asylum and migration. In 2017, Minister Maggie de Bloc decided to reimburse the preventive use of PrEP. Since then, there has been a decrease in the number of HIV infections in Belgium. Good morning, Minister Maggie de Bloc. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's an honor and a blessing to finally meet you. So I'd like to start this interview with uh, a general overview. You've been Minister of Health and Social Affairs since 2014. When you were inaugurated, you said that this portfolio was your dream. And during your parliamentary term, you've taken a couple of quite courageous decisions affecting positively the people living with HIV, more in particularly talking about the reimbursement of antiretroviral medicine as a start. And second, Belgium was the second country in Europe to introduce and roll out PrEP. And these can be considered as milestones. Now, could you please give, give an overview of what you believe are your major milestones since you took office in 2014? So we started with a HIV plan that was already made, but there was no budget for it. So we implemented that and it had two big uh, axes. It was one was prevention, of course, and the other was care. And so I implemented a structural budget so that patients have immediate access to drugs when they are infected. Before, they had to have CD amount, uh, um, so they had to 
evolve in the disease. And now I said that it cannot be the future. When they are infected, they have to get access to medication immediately. Secondly, we started the self-tests in the 2016. They were officially introduced on the Belgian market. And thirdly, we also de-medicalized, in fact, uh, the uh, testing on HIV. And for example, it was social workers, uh, social assistants, people working in centers uh, for HIV. And it was a big success because uh, when there was the gay pride, we had also the testing by these uh, men and women in informal settings. And so then we see that really... People uh, have more eager to go there than when it's a medical doctor already. Then we have the HIV reference uh, centers uh, where they can have anonymous HIV uh, testing. So, and of course, we have the PrEP and we have over 500 users. But I think we still have to do some action on that so that more people know the existence of PrEP and what it can mean for them. So we have an old network of people educating other people uh, so that they can be included. And uh, we have also, we made a positive consult. It was also a very positive step. In the positive consult, all people making part of that have HIV. So they know what they're talking about. They advise us, uh, the government, on what measures uh, we should uh, take and what the policy on HIV or AIDS should be. So they know the specific needs also of long-term HIV patients because, of course, the life expectancy is getting the same of other people and sometimes, sometimes better because they take care, better care of their body. And so there we, we, the recommendations of the positive council are always, if possible, implemented also in our policy. So the positive council is something that has to stay because all the organizations can also also send someone to them. Mm -hmm. And for example, we had a round table also with the Red Cross for the blood donation. And there we had an agreement after a, a long time of negotiation so that also HIV patients are allowed to give the blood under certain uh, circumstances that still we will be evaluating. But that is for the first time that there is no longer discrimination on the fact that you have HIV. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very important step for them. What do you consider as the main challenges ahead? Because tremendous progress has been made over the years, but the work is far from over. As I said, we have now prevention, we have good uh, cure, we have good follow-up of our HIV patients. And I think so that we are waiting for the final cure that it will extend HIV. And I, I'm, I'm sure we will be, once be able to find that. But in the meantime, the biggest uh, challenge is also the fight against the discrimination of people. So I think so we, that is what uh, 
policy makers uh, should do the rest uh, finding the the ultimate cure that is the research uh, is a problem but ours is uh, to tackle the discrimination mm -hmm. now a couple of weeks ago the university of ghent made world headlines with a study the viral the so-called vital reservoirs were uh, discovered and you know people say that this is a significant breakthrough in the total eradication of uh, of hiv now you mentioned cure um, as a possibility for the future but how hopeful are you to find a cure Well, I think it's a very big step that has been taken. Mm -hmm. And I was there at the launching of the experiment and I was very glad that they found so many uh, people who were uh, positive about it and wanted to participate because of it's, it, it is a bit jumping from a bridge. Uh, so the fact that the virus is hidden somewhere in the body and has to be found is really a tempting <laughs> project, I think, but uh, thanks to the study and the fact that the medication was stopped for a while and then the virus could uh, come out of the closet, I mean, uh, so, <laughs> uh, the, but the virus would show himself because, or herself, it could be a woman, all the organs are women, so, but uh, the virus, uh, when the medication is stopped for a while, then the virus uh, comes back and then you can uh, localize it and that uh, is between uh, it's more complicated than that but I, uh, that is the project and so that is very good but because we know where the virus is still in the body when also when the medication is uh, taken if the next step would be so to find the virus there and to have access for medication to the virus hidden there so i think it's a mm. it is a promising yeah. experiment where would you position belgium as a as a player internationally in the research towards finding a cure for hiv i think we are in the lead or of a number of uh, clinical trials uh, per capita there are lots of scientists that uh, are working on hiv which i am very glad for because uh, the disease is for several decades in our uh, in the world and then uh, they have to keep on searching uh, like also on dementia so there is a competition Uh, there is a competition on what are funding, uh, where the research is uh, funding. So we also uh, try to reduce the administrative burden for the clinical trials to minimum. And also we try to uh, give more access for patients to be, to participate on clinical trials by working together. And therefore, the reform of the ethical committees uh, was also Im important because before every uh, center had its own uh, ethical committee and there were big differences uh, between the universities. So we really want to be, uh, to stay a leader in uh, the fact that we are investing in development of new drugs and also new uh, methods like uh, recognizing the virus and so on. So mm -hmm. I think it's very important for us as a small country to be, to have the expertise on that. Of course, we have Peter Piotto is known also. Now uh, Linus will be, you know, Linus will be known also. So. I mean, we have uh, had uh, quite a reputation on that, mm -hmm. and I think it's very important for us to continue uh, that way. Yeah. So. Now, talking about Peter Piot, I was with him in London uh, two months ago, and he 
was quite open about the fact that we have to step away from the end of AIDS is in sight rhetoric because it's not supported by the facts. That is what he was saying. On the other hand, there are people that say we've never been as close to ending the epidemic as today. As a matter of fact, I was in uh, at the US AIDS conference in Washington last month, mm -hmm. and the title of the conference was Ending the Epidemic in Their Name. So what is your opinion on the whole debate? Are we close? Are we not close? Should we talk about it? Should we not talk about it? Or should we just be very cautious and move forward uh, the way we are doing? I think we should continue to work on it because, of course, it's not extinct, extinct in the world. Now, in Belgium, we have, due to all our actions and the implementation of the UN AIDS uh, measures, we have a good decrease of number of new patients, but that doesn't make that it is out of the world. I mean, we are a small country in this uh, big uh, world. So, uh, nevertheless, each day, more than two uh, people on our, uh, in our country are getting uh, infected. So, I mean, this is not a great victory. We have to continue uh, to work. Claiming that the HIV epidemic is over, I think it is uh, not the reality. So I very much agree with Peter Piot. It's not uh, a victory because there are still every day, everywhere on the over the world, people getting infected. So before that is a zero flatline, we cannot say it's a victory. Yeah. Now, talking about the HIV infection, they, they are lower than ever before, even though there's two per day. In 2012, there were many, many more, and we've seen a huge decrease. Also, with the rollout of PrEP, we see the effects coming into effect. This is mm -hmm. something that you have done. But on the other hand, we see a worrisome increase of certain other sexual transmitted diseases like syphilis, gonorrhea and chlamydia. My question is, where do you think this worrisome increase comes from? And is there, is there, is there a correlation between lower HIV infections and increase of infections of these three different diseases that I mentioned? Well, certainly we also see that uh, the increase of other uh, SOAS in our country and we've been working on that. I think uh, some health workers thought that it also was extended. So they don't recognize it when they see it. And that is a problem. Uh, certainly, you have to do the right test to know what is going on uh, when the patient is complaining. So there is also the decrease of the use of condoms. I think that mm -hmm. is a bit responsible for also getting more other infections. Then also the postponing of testing. People think it's going away the way it came easily, but it will, it will not. It stays in your body and you infect more, more others. And then there is also the problem of saying it to the partner or the occasional partner you had. So when I was a medical doctor, a GP, and I had someone with a, such an infection, I always gave a second prescription with no name. I say, you give that to your partner and you put the name on it. Oh, wow. So that I didn't have to know who was their partner. I mean, that is not my business. But I gave a prescription for the patient and I gave one for the partner. He thought he could have infected of where it came from. It's easier than they have to say the name of their partner to their doctor, whatever. I say, give it. And 
I think that was a, a good approach. Absolutely, yeah. I'd like to talk now about the 1990-90 objectives of the United Nations. So the United Nations has set this ambitious objective. It won't be reached by 2020, but basically they say 90% of people living with HIV are diagnosed. 90% of those who are diagnosed are on treatment. And then 90% of those on treatment are undetectable. So the virus can't be measured anymore. In Belgium and in most countries, at least in Western Europe, reach those objectives, even, even beyond those objectives. But some people say that 1990-90 comes short of what yes. they call mental well-being. And they call for, um, they suggest a fourth 90%, which is 90% of those living with HIV and und undetectable should have, you know, an, uh, a proper mental well-being. What's your opinion on, on this and how does this translate well, to the Belgian population? <laughs> I think it's it's very ambitious and that's what it should be, but it won't be easy to do it, to have it all over. So, of course, uh, as I said, we are a small country. We have good access to uh, health, to mental health. It has to uh, be improved also. But I think it's good that the UNAIDS has uh, put forward the 1990-90 goals uh, so that we know that we have to increase the work that has to be done. And that is the good uh, uh, thing. So I think that's why we need also actions, uh, not only in our country, but to go all over the world. Because, of course, it's a disease that is all over the world. And that we should work together and like in sports, encourage each other and make a competition of it. So yeah. that's so <laughs> as more as, as more as many as governments and health caretakers and everyone would say it's a competition. We want to, we want to win it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more people talk about HIV in an open, yes. normal way, the more people will, will, will find themselves less isolated and then more... Um, Today we can talk about it like having uh, too much cholesterol or uh, whatever or mm -hmm. ulcer on the stomach, then we have reached the good level of conversation, yeah. I think, yes. Yeah. Now, you mentioned already stigma at the beginning of the interview. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's been a recent study conducted by Sensoa, which is the, the largest sexual health organization in Belgium. And one of the main conclusions of that study was that stigma remains, unfortunately, very high. HIV has become a chronic disease and we can very much live a normal life. Why would you say that the, the numbers of stigma, because 70% of the people that mm -hmm. uh, participated in the survey indicated to have experienced at least one form of stigma or discrimination? Well, I think for the patient, the shock is even higher to be confronted with a stigma than with a disease. So you have the disease, now you know you can be treated, you can be helped. And But the stigma, it is uh, around you, it could be in your family, it could be in your on your work. Uh, we, we all remember the film uh, that was uh, a shock when, when we saw it. Uh, Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, mm. yes. And, but Philadelphia could be here, could be in your hometown, could be in your street, could be on your work, wherever in the school the children are. So, so I think uh, also in hospitals. So that is the second shock for the patient. So, and it is worse because it could be everywhere. And for, to avoid that, we also need to give as much as information to the population that you can shake hands, you can, you can give a kiss, you can eat to prepare your food together uh, your, when you have a colleague. I mean, 
it's not necessary that you're going to be infected. That it is not possible that you're going to be infected. That is uh, more uh, better to say. So for that, we need to have more sensibilization and also examples of uh, people when you, you know, when you give a kiss to someone, then the others will say, okay, I can do it too. So, you know, that's... uh, That's a very complex problem. Yes, it is. And also towards children with HIV, they should be treated like other children because they feel, certainly children, they feel it uh, when they are treated or other ways, when they're not talking about their future, when they're... uh, they have now a normal life expectancy and that's how they should be uh, also treated. So stigma is for children the worst, I think, because they have a whole life before them mm-hmm. and uh, they are afraid to have it, to live it. I want to ask you something specific about the stigma. Um, one of the, uh, the things that came out of this study was that there is a high level of stigma in the healthcare sector. At least one person in three had experienced some form of, of discrimination on, on the, um, within the hospitals, whatever they, they were being treated. Where do you think that the high level of stigma in the healthcare sector comes from? Well, we know that we have uh, HIV uh, reference centers and there there is, of course, no problem because all people working there know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But now we uh, have in a new convention, we made them sort of ambassadors so that they would also leave their speciality and go to talk to other colleagues in the hospital who are doing other uh, compet- who have other competences like orthopedia or whatever because out of the positive council the, the testimonies were that they are very well treated and without stigma in their uh, reference centers but when they go outside they, they, they have another need to have another treatment then, then there is a certain resistance and also not enough knowledge that there is no danger to treat them so we have a sort of highway uh, ambassadors Now, if you talk about U equals U, undetectables equals untransmittable. Now, this is one of the biggest medical breakthroughs of recent history because it takes away the fear of transmission of people living with HIV so they can live a happy and healthy sexual life. Now, I was in the US recently and some of my interviewees have told me that getting the message of U as U across is sometimes also met with certain resistance because of certain stakeholders unwilling or reluctant to to tell the patients now, what is, in your opinion, the significance of you is you in the wider context of HIV in Belgium? And do you feel that the message itself has been absorbed completely? Well, there has been uh, the message uh, by the cooperation of Sensua and the uh, the, the forum that has been launched. Uh, and that was to the broad uh, public. Uh, but uh, like every message, it it should be repeated and we are not uh, there yet, I think. So it was not unnoticed, but of course, you know, uh, to, to reach all the population, you have to say it twice, three, <laughs> otherwise also. And that is for some people, it's the first time they hear it, that there now are people that are 
with no detectable virus in their body, but still HIV patients, that they cannot transfer the disease anymore. So mm-hmm. for some, it's you are you have been treated and then the disease is gone, and but then they don't know that you cannot give it further anymore because before it was known once you had HIV, you could infect more people, partners, and so on. So. Also, I had the fir- for the first time the experience of a treated high HIV patient uh, coming from Africa. He came with his wife and he wanted to have a child. Mm-hmm. And so I also sent them to a center that I knew in uh, Ghent that they would be followed. Uh, because, of course, uh, that was for the first time. And when I see them in my village, I see now they have three children. So That's amazing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The um, first was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I didn't know where it would lead to. So yeah. when I first, I said, okay, I will help you. But I, at first I have to get all the information. What we have to do, we have to be careful. I, I know, I have to know where to send you. But the baby was okay, and then they had two after that. So, yeah, but yeah. these are really beautiful stories, and I yes, think uh, they yes, show yes. us what's really possible yes, when you live with HIV. Yes. Minister, I would like to thank you as somebody who lives with HIV for everything you've done. I think uh, you've you've really made some amazing accomplishments, and I'd like to say thank you. And I have one last question: uh, What does the future hold for you? Well, I think it's the most attractive in my life that I never know what I'm going to do uh, <laughs> for the next year. So. I uh, go with the flow, I say, and uh, I only do things I like to do. So I'm very glad I could contribute to your action. I wish you all the success. Okay, thank you so much, Minister. Thank you. So yes, a big, big thank you to Minister De Blok for coming on the Positively Alive podcast and for sharing with us her views on HIV in Belgium, the latest medical developments, her major accomplishments to date, and what she considers to be the main challenge ahead. I want to give very special thanks to the minister for her unwavering support to the Positively Alive campaign. The way she has put herself at the forefront tackling stigma is one of the most powerful statements I have recently noticed from a senior government official. Thank you very much, Minister Magidi Blok. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you learned something. If you haven't done so already, please join our Positively Alive Facebook group, specifically set up for this global campaign. It is a place where we raise awareness about HIV and educate people to counter prejudice, taboo and stigma. Whether you are HIV positive or not, our growing community is for everyone interested in learning more about the topic and to share positive and uplifting messages. Check also the Positively Alive YouTube channel where we upload a reduced video version of this podcast interview with the most important messages. I would also love it if you review this podcast and share your thoughts across social media. Let people know that you subscribed to the Positively Alive podcast. The more it gets shared, the more people we will reach and that is ultimately the intention of this podcast. You can tag me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. And let me know what you have learned from this. I am so looking forward to share with you our next episode. I also take this opportunity to reiterate and underline the importance of your personal financial contributions to this campaign. Never before in history have we been so close to a vaccine for HIV. Strangely enough, however, we see the national and international donor community pulling back, thinking that everything is in the pocket already. It is not yet in the pocket. 
We cannot afford a funding crisis right now, not when we are this close to ending the epidemic. A society without HIV where our children can be vaccinated against the virus, how cool would that be? And how much money this would save us as a society? So from a place of humility and love, please be generous with your donations. You can find the donation link in the text area of this podcast, on our Facebook page, on all our other social media channels, and on our website, www.positivelyalive.org. I count on you, and so does the world. Thank you so much.